Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Day 2 Training Camp edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And we are sitting at a picnic table uh, in the Browns facility. We're actually outside. We're actually looking at the practice field as we speak. Nothing happening there. Um, we're going to do our second edition of First and Ten where we throw out ten topics. We have not pre-discussed any of them, but I'm assuming we can guess on what some of them are going to be. Uh, who went first yesterday, Mary Kay? I think I did. Okay, I'll go first today. Okay. Let's talk about Greedy Williams. Mm-hmm. Greedy Williams had a really good day today. He had two interceptions, including one during one-on-ones, another one near the end of practice where he flung the ball in the air. Um, it was an exciting day for the rookie, and this is a guy that came out of camp, uh, was working with the second team after spending most of spring with the first team, um, and here he, he kind of starts putting a little pressure now on the coaching staff and, and the guys in front of him to maybe put him back on the first team. Yeah, I feel like there is a method to their madness. I feel like they really are trying to keep his feet to the fire and keep him very, very hungry, greedy, shall we say. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that they want to make him earn that job, and they want to get him really ready for it. And, you know, I think he's shown out here some of the same things that he showed during minicamp that, I mean, he can cover like crazy, and, and he's got a nose for the ball. He really does. Uh, so I, I think that before too long, maybe even tomorrow, the first full day in pads, maybe he'll be in there with the first team. He certainly is making a case. Yeah, I was looking back through Twitter trying to find some video of, uh, of his plays, and I found one that actually we, we hadn't mentioned. He, he, I think it was Blake Jackson he was covering in one-on-one drills, and he knocked the ball away. Um, they kind of both fell down. So that was another play that, that uh, kind of got him noticed. Jarvis Landry mentioned that he, he thinks Greedy has all the tools but there is a transition between pro and college that you know, and there are things that he hasn't seen yet. And I get the feeling that the Browns just wanted to give him a taste of working with that first team during OTAs and minicamp. And uh, maybe now they're going to put him in a position. Okay, not earn it. Okay, you've gotten a mm-hmm. taste. Now go out and get it. Yep. I've mentioned this in a couple spots um, today. Just I think the idea of you know the way he can go get the football, and the idea of Denzel Ward developing into a shutdown corner and a guy that quarterbacks don't want to throw at. That's going to create a lot of opportunities for Greedy Williams to, as you said, Mary Kay, to get greedy <laughs> and get his hands on a lot of footballs and you know, maybe make a run at joining. I think this was your bold prediction, Mary Kay, maybe making a, a run at joining Denzel Ward in the Pro Bowl mm-hmm. um, next season. He's going to get an opportunity to get his hand on a lot of footballs. Scott, give us topic number two. Uh, let's go with right guard. 
Um, that came up a few times today. Uh, we got a couple offensive linemen uh, to talk to us uh, during media availability, and it was oh the rotation is still going basically. We had Austin Corbett uh, yesterday, and uh, today it was Kyle Kalis. Uh, we can expect Eric Cush <laughs> to be there Probably. tomorrow. Um, you know, one of the things that J.C. Charter said is at this point after going through OTAs and, and minicamp and kind of having a similar rotation, they're kind of used to these guys, so that's a good thing. It's not like they're – he doesn't feel they're holding them back at this point as far as, you know, they're kind of waiting to get everybody settled and then they can move on. Uh, so there is familiarity there, and, you know, this guy's going to win. We don't know when that's going to be. Treader certainly didn't have any insider information on when the decision might be made, and, and Freddie, I think, later said – Basically, we're just going to keep the rotation going and see who kind of rises to the top. I think it's a little bit of a concern. I think to be at this point in training camp and you don't know that Austin Corbett can be your starting right guard means that you're not sure about him yet or that he's not ready yet. Uh, By this time, you would have thought he would take the bull by the horns. He was the number 33 overall pick last year. At, At this point, you would think that he would have stepped up, staked his claim, and basically taken over that position and said, I'm not giving it up. But that hasn't happened yet. And I think at this point in training camp, it is a little bit of a concern that they don't have their starting right guard yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the, on the Austin Corbett thing. I, I don't like it. I think it's a red flag that he's not the guy right now. And, and you know, if you want to have a competition, fine. But I really would prefer if he were just the guy and they felt good making him the first team guy and say, hey, if somebody can come beat him, great. But if not, He's the guy. He's been the guy since day one, and I think it's a little concerning that he's not. And the thing, kind of to your point, um, I'm working on a different J.C. Treader story, and one of the things he said last year when he played through that ankle injury, a big part of it was Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, and Kevin Zeitler knew each other. You know, and as an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. you know each other's steps. You know, you know you're not going to be stepping on people. You're not going to be tripping people up. This is time to get familiar, and the Browns don't have that position settlement. And I think it's uh, it's something to be not concerned about yet, and you know, outside of the Austin Corbett part of it. But you'd like to get that settled as soon as possible. One thing both Petonio and Treader said is the competition could kind of get ramped up and get some more clarity with the pads coming on. That's yeah. going to change things. And when the, when we get to our first preseason game here, and what we're less than two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, Mary Kay, we're up to you. Topic number three. All right, let's go with Mike Daniels. He just signed a one-year contract with the Detroit Lions for $9.1 million for one year, $7.8 million guaranteed. And therein lies the story of why he is not with the Cleveland Browns. It's a money thing. <laughs> it I mean, always, it, it's always a money thing. Yeah, I mean, that that is a lot of money. And I would have to think that if the Browns would have thrown that kind of money at him yesterday, he would not have left town to go on his visit with the Detroit Lions. I think this was uh, a nice chunk of change for Mike Daniels. I think the Browns have to be somewhat protective of their money and their cap space moving forward because they've got some big paydays coming up with guys like Miles Garrett, and then soon enough it'll be you know Denzel Ward and Baker Mayfield. And I just don't think that they wanted to pay that kind of money for someone who's going to probably join their tackle rotation, maybe win a starting job, but possibly join the tackle rotation. I, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things, sort of like Gerald McCoy. Yeah. Stinks you didn't get him, but it doesn't blow your season up. It speaks nope. to kind of where this team is at, the team they've built, that they can kind of pursue a guy 
you would have liked to have landed him, but you didn't. Okay, move on. It, it doesn't ruin your season. Yeah, I think practice or training camp for Trayvon Coley, you know, when these things come and go, probably gets a little bit a little bit nicer because he's not going to get pushed further down the depth chart, you know. Um, yeah, like you said, they clearly want to upgrade the interior of the defensive line more. But at the same time, it, didn't, it doesn't seem like it would be an emergency situation. So, All right, so it's back to me for number four. I'm going to save my wild card here for, uh, for a <laughs> little later. Did we talk about the receivers yesterday, the bottom of yeah. the receivers? Well, let's talk about Damon Sheehy Giuseppe today mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, Scott, you wrote about him earlier. You, you wrote about this his story. It's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, but I thought today, for him at least, was kind of the first day where I looked at him and said, uh, okay, he strings together a few days like this. He's maybe got a chance to make this roster. Yeah, he, it, w- it was, I think you're right, the first day where as a receiver he looked like like he could make plays. You know, uh, in minicamp and OTAs, he did a lot of running straight down the field, and he very rarely saw the ball. And today, uh, I think a lot of the things, well, the first time we noticed him was in one-on-one drills. He uh, went against Terrence Mitchell twice and got him deep twice. You know, he had a nice kind of extended his arm back to get get rid of Mitchell, and then uh, it was a perfect pass. And uh, another time he kind of had to battle Mitchell for the ball. Uh, and then when they got into team drills, he, he made another couple. Uh, there was at least one over the middle and I think one after that. And, uh, yeah, those are things our coaches noticed. Now, there's a lot of receivers jumbled together for yeah. those final two spots. But, you know, the other guys weren't making those catches today. And the other thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, at one point uh, Odell Beckham Jr. took him aside on the sidelines and was just coaching him up, coaching him up. I tried to – I didn't get my phone out in time to take a little bit of video of that, but I thought that was very significant. Odell was really spending a lot of time with him over there on the sidelines. It It was a cool little thing. Okay, you just gave me an idea for another topic Ooh. a little bit later, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use it right now, obviously, because I need it. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Scott, go ahead. Uh, let's talk about pads because everybody is very much looking forward to seeing this team in pads. Um, that should happen tomorrow. I think they have to go what three days after the third day of training camp is when you can do it. And I think they count the the day they arrive here as day one. So tomorrow they'll be in pads, and I know uh, J.C. Trutter was kind of talking a little bit uh, about the defensive line, saying that defensive linemen think they're going to have uh, a much better uh, practice with pads on against the offensive linemen, and Trader's like, well, no, uh, we have to go against these big sweaty guys, and you can't really block them as well when they're, we're not wearing pads, so uh, he thinks the offensive line will have an advantage. Um, there'll still be no tackling, quarterbacks won't get hit, running backs won't get hit, but it's going to be a different look out there for sure. No, running backs will get hit. Well, well they will. Okay. Yes. They might even get tackled to the ground. We don't, yes. know, we don't know yet yes. if will there be a siren tomorrow? The no, I no asked siren. Freddie about that. There will be no siren. Um, he deep six the siren, but he said there will be uh, some really good contact. I think he said full contact. Uh, yeah, I so, think so tackling to the ground, you know, I mean, they'll probably try to take care of each other. Uh, so, But. It's going to be very interesting to see what his first padded practice is going to be like. And it's fun because it's the first Saturday practice. You know, yeah. we the crowds have been really good these first two practices, but we're still talking ten to twelve on a weekday. Yeah. So tomorrow it's a Saturday. I bet there's going to be a ton of fans in the stands. Um, a lot of hitting, a lot of noise. 
Uh, I, I think tomorrow and Sunday could be very fun practices. And, and I'm cu- what I'm really curious about is how they're going to approach Monday. Are they going to go three hard days in a row before the off day? Is Monday going to be sort of a light day? And I want to see kind of how they approach these next three days as a whole. Yes, absolutely. I, it's, it's interesting because, uh, remember, Freddie was the first person <laughs> to talk about, yes. uh, you know, not giving Veterans Days off and things like that. And so let's see how this goes. Right now we already know that, Jarvis is on a pitch count. Some other guys are on a pitch count. Pitch count. We'll have to see how it goes. He did spend some time today talking about the science behind hamstring pulls and things like that. I yeah. thought that was, <laughs> that was interesting. Yep. All right, Mary Kay, topic number six. All right. I am going to go with batted balls. Good one. There have been a number of batted balls in practice so far. Uh, Baker has gotten several batted down. Uh, the first yesterday, it was uh, Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi. And then today, Sheldon Richardson got one and almost picked it off. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I asked Freddie today, you know, now that you're the head coach, do you look out there and you're excited that your defensive linemen are getting batted balls? Or are you worried that your quarterback is getting balls batted down? And, uh, and he basically said, for starters, he's excited that the defensive line is, is getting their hands up and making plays like that. He also said... Uh, that he's not concerned about it at all because, once again, without the pads on, the offensive lineman can't do very much to prevent that sort of thing from happening. So I'm anxious to see if any of that will still continue. I don't think it will be a concern during the season because that's when uh, Baker Mayfield slips away from trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, during the game, I mean, he slides to his left, to his right, up, back, wherever he's got to go to get away from the pressure so I don't or the hands so I don't think it's going to be a huge issue but it's been a little weird the couple first couple days I think uh you know and you always have to be careful when you say anything about Baker Mayfield right I think he's been okay these first couple days I don't think he's been he hasn't really lit the world on fire he's had the batted balls but I remember last year specifically it was right around day three or day four of camp when I kind of remember Baker kind of watched him and he went to like this different level the first two days it was kind of like it was sort of like it was in the spring last year it was just sort of okay yeah Tyrod should be the starter all of and then all of a sudden day three or day four hit and it was just different I mean and he did not stop for the rest of the year I mean he just went crazy from about day three till the end of the season I wonder if those pads go on it gets a little more competitive if it just brings something out in him so I'm curious to see what we see from Baker tomorrow yeah, we, we saw some batted balls last year in games, but like you said, he he has dealt with not being the tallest quarterback mm-hmm. for a long time now, right. and he knows how to get into situations where he can see lanes and get out of the pocket. So I I don't see it as a problem. I see it more as, as this is a defensive line that's going to be active and, and cause problems. Mm-hmm. So topic seven here, um, going back to the Odell thing, because you mentioned that you saw him chatting with Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, kind of coaching him up. Mm-hmm. Well, I caught him in another moment coaching up Rashard Higgins. They were kind of standing on the sideline working together. Uh, I don't, you know, I couldn't tell exactly what they were trying to, to work on, but Odell was very clearly coaching him up. So Jarvis Landry got a lot of attention for his leadership that he brought last year. Odell, Bre- Odell Beckham seems to be sort of embracing that uh, as well. We don't talk about Odell in that vein as much, but I, I guess his presence in that wide receiver room mm-hmm and how it changes things and how he can teach guys, even though he's a different kind of dude. The, the things he can teach players, it's going to make everybody better. Yeah, I, I saw him having conversations like that, not to the same extent that he was with Giuseppe because they were really off to the sideline, like really, you know, 
working on drills and doing physical things and uh, but having those kind of conversations with Antonio Callaway and Damian Ratley, I mean, these guys are listening to him, and why wouldn't you? I mean, my goodness, you've got Odell Beckham Jr. on your team, and, and these guys are just eating it up. It, it's got to be weird for some of these guys, I wonder. I, I mean, Odell's not that much older. It's not like he's a 35-year-old guy who's been in the league forever and ever, but I'm sure like some of these really young guys still... Mm-hmm. You know, kind of grew up or in high school or whatever, idolizing Odell Beckham, and now he's just sitting in that room, yeah, like on their team coaching him. Yep, in remember, a lot of ways. Remember last year, Landry was, you know, he was the new exciting receiver here, and he was the guy who gave that, like, you know, the big speech in Hard Knocks, and uh, he mentioned how him and, and Odell have talked about kind of dual leadership and having kind of one at the head of the line, one at the back of the line, and 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 how that's going to work, and the fact that they both realize that. They're the ones that everybody else is looking at. Uh, and this, beyond them, is a pretty young receiver room. So um, they seem to understand how to work together, and uh, they understand that these guys are looking at them. Mm-hmm. Okay, topic eight is yours, Scott. Oh, man. You know what? Let's <laughs> go with kickers because we actually oh. saw them do something today, and that is a battle that will probably wage on longer than the right guard. You know, you have to think they want to get the right guard kind of solidified a little earlier. Kicker could go down to the last preseason game. Uh, it could come down to, to who's making kicks in games. You know, today, I think, I think Greg Joseph made all his kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin missed one. He bounced another off the goalpost. Um, they went through. John Dorsey uh, got excited about that one. Yeah, there's, there's my fifth round <laughs> pick coming through for me. Uh, yeah, so I think we said uh, before training camp started that that Greg Joseph is going to kind of have to go above and beyond maybe to, to knock off a draft pick, but he, you know. He's holding steady. Yeah, I mean, when you draft a kicker, you really expect him to make the football team. Especially in the fifth fifth round. round. Yeah, a fifth-round kicker. I mean, remember, Jannard Avery was drafted in the fifth round, you know? So you can find really good players in the fifth round if you're John Dorsey and Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith. So, therefore, you know, they really need this guy to step up and take this job and win this job, and you cannot be missing kicks in training camp. If you want to win the job, for for as much you know, kind of heat, I think some of it has been a little unfair considering how the rest of that draft went. For as much heat as he's taken over Austin Corbett and Chad Thomas and those guys not producing as much last year, I, I do think if the, if he drafted a kicker in the fifth round and he doesn't make the team, I think that's criticize away for that one. I, I think that you you take a kicker that high, if you draft any kicker, but especially that high, he's he's got to make the team. You know, I I didn't have a problem with it, um, but when he drafted him, because, you know, I watched this team, like you guys did, lose several games last year because of bad kicking. And I thought, you know, if if you get a really good kicker in the fifth round, then that's, that's okay, that's value. But if he doesn't make the team, then... Then we, like you said, yeah. Dan, then we can criticize. And, and you said, I mean, he found Gennard Avery in the fifth round. He's so good at finding players mm-hmm. in the fourth, fifth, sixth. He's so good at finding players. You just hate the idea of you, if you, you took a kicker there and maybe you could have found a receiver or another corner. Right. I don't know. You, you hate that idea. But, uh, look, everything John Dorsey has touched in the draft so far has been gold. So <laughs> we'll see how well, Except Austin, Austin Corbett so far. Well... <laughs> To be determined. Maybe the name Austin just isn't. Maybe he's don't <laughs> there you that go. name. Uh, all right, Mary Kay, number nine. Number nine, let's go with Sione Taki Taki. 
Freddie Kitchens talked today about how he needs to learn how to practice. Uh, in general, he wants the players to learn to take care of each other, especially when you've got shorts on. We've seen him mixing it up a little bit here and there and kind of getting into it, and that's not what Freddie wants in these non-padded practices. Now, it'll be a little bit different tomorrow. A guy like Sione Takitaki will have an opportunity to finally hit someone, and that's what he really wants to do. He wants to hit someone. So if I were Nick Chubb, you know, or I were Duke Johnson. Yeah, I think he wants to hit Duke Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, I think so too. If I were one of those guys, I would be, you know, I'd be ready to get hit tomorrow because it's going to be open season on the running backs, kind of. Um, and the reason why they drafted Sione Takitaki is for those reasons, because they want a hitter. They want a big hitter, somebody who can wrap up and, and be very aggressive and bring a nastiness to that position. So they like that side of him. They just don't want it at the wrong time. Yeah, and maybe finally getting him in pads and seeing what he can do moves him up the depth chart a little bit. He's been uh, kind of bouncing between second team and third team. Um, he's been on the third team with uh, with Mac Wilson in two linebacker sets. He's been kind of he's been brought in in the middle with Darius Taylor, Ray Ray Armstrong on the second team a little bit. But it's kind of he hasn't really solidified himself there yet, uh, so maybe that changes once they get a look at him in pads. Everybody that I talked to when I wrote the, the feature on him and, and meeting his wife and all that, everyone I talked to, like his college coach, his uncle, they all described him the same way. His high school coach never takes a playoff. His high school coach, he wouldn't let him take him off the field during practice, wouldn't let him give reps to anybody else, plays with his hair on fire. His uncle told me that, he hit kids so hard when he was like eight years old that they cried. So this is Sione Taki Taki. Yeah. This is what he does, um, and, and he's a guy. You know, look, you, you need to be careful when you're not in pads, but this is football, and he's a fo- he is a football player, and when those pads go on, he's going to be a different kind of dude, I think. Um, all right, my last topic. This is my wild card. What number right. are we at? Number 10. All right. This is my Woo-hoo. story time topic here. Uh-oh. All right. So we've we all, of course, I mentioned the CLNA feature. Yeah. We've all written features, profiles, whatever. We've done interviews. And sometimes, look, when you do an interview with somebody, you don't do it on your schedule usually. You do it on their schedule. So I, the other day, I, um, I interviewed somebody for a story I'm working on for a couple weeks from now. I'm driving in here. Yeah. Uh, got him on the phone i got like my piece of paper kind of up on the console so i can see it yeah uh, so i can glance down while i'm driving sorry everyone i know it's not safe but i'm wondering i have another one too but i'm just wondering if you guys can think of like the weirdest place or the weirdest situation you've had to like stop and interview somebody in. i got i got a story for that uh, it's not an interview story but it's a doing your job in a weird place story <laughs> okay i was covering this is a long time ago i was covering high school wrestling the state championships, it was in Dayton. This is back before they moved it to Ohio State. It was in Dayton. And I had, Mary Kay remembers this, the old uh, Tandy Radio Shack computers that you had to hook <laughs> up to the phone line, and it gave off this this horrible noise. You're when not it's old of, enough to have a oh, Radio Shack. Oh, I am. I had the Tandy. <laughs> Anyways, I get back to my hotel room because they were throwing us out of, uh, of uh, was the Nutter Center, I think it was. So I go back to my hotel room. The hotel room does not have any phone jacks in the <laughs> in it. So I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I going to send my, my awesome state wrestling story uh, back to the paper? I look out the window. Well, there's a Denny's right next door. So I walk over there, and I go up to the counter, and I'm like, can I use your phone jack? <laughs> I, got, I, I work for a newspaper. I need to send my story. 
So she's like, is that going to cost us any money? I go, yeah, no, no, it'll be free, right? <laughs> I had no idea. So she lets me walk behind the counter. So there I am standing at Denny's behind the main counter with my computer plugged into the wall, sending my story back. People are coming up to me and asking me, you know, like, they want to pay their bill and everything. <laughs> I have no idea if Denny's ever got a bill for that. It couldn't have been that much. But, but that, that's my story about doing my job in a weird place. Well, there have been many times when, when Dan and I have... Uh, have taped a podcast oh, in like yeah. some closet or you know in a in a weight room. They locked on the, us. They locked us out of our closet here. Yeah, we had a facility. we had a really nice old memorabilia Scott closet here that we used to a couple of do some podcasts yeah. in. But I did. Uh, this was a radio interview, and this was um, I. It was a couple of years ago, and I was doing a, a radio interview in the morning with Ken and Anthony on ninety two The Fan. Okay. And at the same, everything always happens at the same time, doesn't it? So I'm doing the radio interview at the same time my poor daughter was trying to pass her driver's license test. And so we go to the license bureau and I forgot I had to do the radio show. So I answer the phone and I'm in there and everything's quiet. People are taking their temp tests in there. Everything's really quiet. And I'm like belting out things about the Cleveland Browns inside the license bureau. And I tried to walk outside and it was, I think it was like in Parma or something. And it was noisy and there were people and there were cars and I couldn't hear everything. So I had to come back in to the, to the place. And I'm like walking around apologizing to people. And these kids are looking at me and all the license bureau people. So I'm very, very sorry about that. I still feel bad about that. So many kids failed their test because some yeah. lady I know. was yakking in the so background. I know it was so bad. I was it was horrible. I felt so bad. Uh, Mary Kay, I know I've told you. I know I've told you this story, but uh, mine is going to be. Um, of course, I have the advantage because I knew I was going to bring this topic up, so I've had time to think about it. But so I was on vacation a few years ago. I was working on a story um, on Andrew Barry, mm-hmm. and I had all my interviews done. And I was on vacation. It was the week before training camp. I wanted it to go up when training camp opened. Um, and I'm in Boston visiting my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And I got this idea. I thought, you know what? I need one more interview. There's one more guy i got to talk to, so I'm going to take my shot. So I email the PR guy to talk to this GM. And he gets back to me. He says, yeah, yeah, I'll have him call you on Friday. Well, we were, we're still going to be on vacation. We were going to go to the beach that day. So I'm like, okay, I think I can plan this out. So I kind of finagled some things. I didn't tell everyone this is why I was doing it, but I finagled some things. Well, if we get to the beach by this time, that's perfect. Let's do that. I'll back of my mind I'm thinking I'll find a spot to yeah, like, do this. So of course. We head out to the beach and there was a sandcastle building competition. <laughs> <laughs> no place to park. No place to go. <laughs> so we call up my sister-in-law and there's a little lake by their house. So, you know, we'll just go swim there. So we start driving back and I'm thinking, okay, I can still make it to this lake in time to take this phone call and find a spot yeah. to record. Yep. He calls 15 minutes early. Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> so I have my kids in the back seat. Yes. My wife's sitting next to me. And of course, you know, we're lost. We have no idea where we're going. We have the <laughs> GPS pulled up on my phone. Yep. So I had to talk to this guy on my Bluetooth. I had to pull out my recorder as I'm driving. Yep. Put it down. Record this. My kids are in the back. I'm telling them they have to be absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah. silent. And they're young. I mean, right now they're 12 and 8, so they're probably... This was right two or three years ago, yeah. so they're even younger. And I'm telling them they have to be quiet. My yep. wife's trying to pull up GPS on her phone and kind of walk me through where we're going while I'm interviewing this guy and muting and unmuting. Yep. It was bad. But I yep. got the interview done. I know. I mean, yes. it's uh, We've got a lot of stories like that if we uh, if we really were able to take the time to sit and think about them. They're 
readers and listeners have no idea what we go through. uh, It can get kind of wild sometimes, especially when you start mixing in travel and vacation and all that stuff. Kids, oh my God. Like I said, when you, as we all know, when when somebody's ready to do an interview, you do it on on their time. Well, I can't, countless amount of times that I have had crying babies (laughs) in the background for interviews. So I, I, I remember. All the, you know, the agents or any of the people that I've ever talked to. And they're just like, oh, it's Mary Kay. She's got a crying baby in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for our first and ten. We pulled it off for a second day in a row. We came yeah. up with ten topics. Again, we're not preparing for any of these. I kind of know what some of them are going to be. But uh, it's been fun so far. At some point, we're going to run out of steam, though. And you guys are going to get to hear it here on the podcast. Uh, that'll do it. We'll have another one for you tomorrow as the Browns head into Saturday and Sunday. They practice from 10 to noon. Uh, We'll cover it all at cleveland.com slash Browns. For Mary Kay and Scott, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.